I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach tonight, and of course the message is for everyone, but I, I, I feel like directing the majority of my statements to, to the men, if that's okay. I know that Brother Krauss has been really working a lot with the men, and he came up with these resolutions. I think everybody has, the men have these. And I'm just going to read them to you before I start because I feel like that uh, what I have tonight really pertains to this a great deal. And this resolution goes like this. He said, I do solemnly resolve before God to take full responsibility for myself, my wife, and my children. I will love them, protect them, serve them, teach them the Word of God as a spiritual leader of my home. I will be faithful to my wife to love and honor her and be willing to lay down my life for her as Jesus Christ did for me. I will bless my children and teach them to love God with all of their hearts, all of their minds, and all of their strength. I will train them to honor authority and to live responsibly. I will confront evil, pursue justice, and love mercy. I will pray for others and treat them with kindness and respect and compassion. I will work diligently to provide for the needs of my family. I will forgive those who have wronged me and reconcile with those I have wronged. I will learn from my mistakes, repent of my sins, and walk with integrity as a man answerable to God. I will seek to honor God, be faithful to His church, obey His word, and do His will. I will courageously work with the strength God provides to fulfill this resolution for the rest of my life and for His glory. And it's got a place for the signature, witnesses, and a date. And I hope each and every man signs that and lives by that. I hope and pray. Uh, that is wonderful, wonderful resolution. Wonderful. I'm going to preach a message you've probably heard many times, but a lot of people preached on this particular subject. Um, and I, um, I don't have anything new under the sun when it comes to this, but I think it, uh, I think that it definitely pertains tonight to just what I feel and what God has already done. And again, for the men, each and every one of you, um, I can't remember the exact date when this happened. I don't think it's been that long ago, but there was uh, when uh, uh, we sent a a uh, ship to Mars, and when we sent the ship to Mars, of course there, they landed two two rovers on on the red planet. One of them was called Spirit, and the other Opportunity, and. Uh, and of course they're still up there, but I guess for a, quite a while they sent pictures back of the of the red planet, and uh, every time that someone would see one of these pictures, they would be it's an you know it was an inspiration, it was all inspiring if you would, beautiful pictures that they would send back, very similar to the time that we went to the moon, and and uh, very some of the same things happened then. Now scientists they believe that life began on Mars. That's what the scientists believe. I think not personally. Okay. I don't think so. But at least, and this is a good part, they have trained their eyes upward. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep that uh, in the fact that scientists have trained their eyes upward. They're looking in the right direction. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. King David once said, it's one of my favorite scriptures. I've often wondered if I could write a song. I would write a song with this scripture. But since uh, singing was way outside my vocation, I've never tried. 
But it's Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, and it says, When I consider the heavens, thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is a man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that visitest him? So this is what David had to say concerning the heavens and concerning what he saw. When I look up there, he said, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, and the sun and the moon thou hast ordained. How can you be mindful of something as small, as insignificant as man? How can you even think about something this small? You know, this, is, this was more than the mind of David could actually comprehend. So look to the heavens. You know, one doesn't have to, to look to, to the remote and the distant heavens to find evidence that God is the source of all things. We don't have to do that. Uh, Job said you can look even closer than that. And I'm going to read to you out of Job 12, verses 7 through 10. And he says this, he said, But ask now the beast, and they shall teach thee, and the fowls of the air, and they shall tell thee, or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee, and the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee. Who knoweth not in all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this? And whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Now he goes on, he says, ask the fowls of the air. They're great teachers. He said, ask them. Let's pick one. You know what? We can pick a clean fowl of the Old Testament, a dove, a quail, or a pigeon. Or we can pick uh, an unclean fowl, raven, owls, or a vulture. Or we could consider another bird, and that's the one we're going to talk about tonight, the king of birds, the eagle. Now, the eagle can teach us. He can teach us about the ways of God, and he can teach us about ourselves. And one thing I'd like for us to do, if, if God could just help us tonight to, to get a vision of what I'm trying to communicate to you, I, I, I preach this, and I, I preach an opening, or I, I pray an opening to every person's, every man's mind in here. I pray that every man can catch what I've got to say. I want every person, but especially the men, any male that is in here, let's just take that a little bit further, that can catch what I have to say this evening. That somehow uh, God could make us as an eagle, if you would, that He could help us to see as they see. Bible students often delight when it comes to talking about the eagle because you know, they, Bible students will talk about in the Olivet Discourse, it talks about an eagle. And they always love to point out that that wasn't an eagle like we know an eagle. That was truly just a vulture, an old buzzard. Anybody know what a buzzard is? You know, you see him sitting around all the time. I told you one time I went outside my house and I was coming down. It was real still. For the morning I went down to get the paper. That's back when I was, wasn't saved and I still got a newspaper. And, and I went down and, and it was real quiet. And I looked up in the trees and there was buzzards everywhere. Everywhere you, I mean, there must have been 30, 40 buzzards all sitting around, all looking at me. I went quickly up and took a shower. <laughs> and went back out to see if they were still there. And, uh, well, I got a feeling the reason they was there was something that took place near my property that I wouldn't want to talk about. So we'll move on. To something better, but they like to point that out that you know that, that a vulture is a far cry from the eagle that we know today, a far, far cry from that. And although it's true that the eagle described in the New Testament, especially again that Olivet discourse, is probably a vulture, it is equally conclusive that the, the eagle that is spoken of in the Old Testament is generally refers to that same majestic bird of the heavens that we all know. It refers to that. Now the eagle. 
how it flies. You know, Solomon was stupefied by the path of the eagle. Let's look at that for a minute. Of the four things he found too wonderful to explain in Proverbs 30, one of, them, one of those was the way of the eagle. He said, I just can't quite get it. I can't explain the way of the eagle in the air. So it stupefied him, if you would. He, he couldn't quite grasp how does this eagle do what this eagle does. And if you'll follow me, you'll understand. The eagle, how it sees. His vision is matchless. From the heights of two miles, it can see its prey on the ground below. In the visions Ezekiel and John had of the living creatures before God's throne, they had the impression of eyes, and the eyes that they saw were eagle's eyes. So the eagle has to have something in its vision. The eagle also is fleeting. It can plummet from the heavens at a speed an excess of 100 miles per hour to seize its prey and its talons. So it's a fleeting thing. And, and the eagle, how strong. Now, the, the eagle is the strong man of the bird world, if you would. Its wing spans up to 7.5 feet. One species of the eagle in Africa, the crowned eagle, is big enough to kill an antelope. The eagle... It's true. Now, I will say this. I have seen eagles many times. And an eagle eats fresh food. If he, if he, he prefers to kill his own, only when he's very hungry in the wintertime will he eat something that is fresh. I've seen them on the ice before when they would pick up a fish that had actually been caught in the ice, and they would eat those. But that is the only time that you will ever see an eagle eat anything that is already dead. Most of the time, all he eats is that which he kills. So you can look at the fact that he is strong, he is true, and he is faithful. Like a dove, an eagle will mate for life. Are you with me? Are you with me? Now, I'm certain we could find negative traits of the eagle. On the whole, there are some fairly inspirational qualities. We could find some bad things, but I don't know of too many of them. We go to the eagle not to find the source of life on this earth. We go to the eagle to find the comparisons in the spiritual realm. And that's where we want to go tonight. It's not a matter of understanding my life in this world compared to the eagle. What I want to understand is how can I spiritually compare to some of the attributes that I have just mentioned to you. How can I as a man, how can I as a child of God compare? Am I true? Am I faithful? Am I strong? Are you with me? Am I a person that's going to continue to do the right thing regardless of what I see around me? Am I going to continue to live for God? Whatever anyone else does, am I going to sign this little resolution thing right here? And am I just doing it because somebody else is? Or am I doing it because I want to live that kind of life? Praise God. person with spirit uh, with a spirit possesses eagle-like qualities he is faithful he is strong he is true he is perceptive he refuses to feast on the dead things of this life he chooses a higher way of living I want to live in a higher way. I said it a little earlier. I don't want to go back. I, I, I think every year I serve God, I should be better than I was the year before. I shouldn't live just the same way I did last year. I should know a little bit more. I should live a little higher and a little better. Not because I'm better than anyone else. It's because I've learned more about God. And I hope, I want to, if you'll, if you'll give me a moment, permit me to, to elevate two or three qualities of the eagle. Each is mentioned by the scripture. Each points to a higher way of living for all of us. In Solomon's thoughts about the uncertainty of riches, he makes a, an interesting statement about the flight of an eagle. 
In Proverbs 23, 5, he says, Will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Now I want you to notice that Solomon didn't say the eagle flies to the heaven, but the eagle flies toward the heaven. When God made the eagle, he designed a bird built for the heavens. Not only did he create the eagle to soar into the heavens, but to soar toward the heavens. I, I think we need to, to, to give, be reintroduced to why I'm serving God. Why am I a soul winner? Why am I a Bible reader, a prayer warrior? Why do I operate in the gifts of the Spirit? I want to take as many people as I can, but we want to go together to heaven. If we forget that, we're forgetting something important. I don't like you because you're pretty. I don't care for you because you're ugly, fat, little, skinny, strong, weak. It doesn't matter to me. What I want to see in each and every one of you is a soul that wants to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I want you to see the same in me. Don't look at me for what you see. Look at me what I can be. What we can all be when we can all go together to heaven. We need to find it all over again. This is not some kind of gathering for a group of people. This is a bunch of people that's going to heaven one day. Praise God. Job said that there are things that we can learn from the fowl of the air. And there's certainly something to be learned from the eagle's eyes. If any of you have ever looked at a, an eclipse, uh, when, they, when a planet goes across the sun, uh, you'll, you'll notice that if you look, and if you look up at that any length of time, without some kind of a filter, you will burn your eyeballs. But an eagle can gaze at it. He can look right at it. For God gave an unusual set of eyelids through which the bird can set its gaze directly upon the sun. He can look right at it. So to be as an eagle, our vision has to change. Our vision has to change. Folks, sometimes, some of you, when God gets too close, you filter what you see. You, wanna, you have a filter through what someone else has told you. You have a filter through some way that you may have been raised. I wasn't going to take this time to do this, but I'm going to do it anyhow. You see, what I see is through eyes that God has given me. And what I see in the book that I read called the Bible has not changed. I have not filtered it through somebody or something that someone has written about the Bible. Are you hearing me? I still believe that we have to be a separate, distinct people. That we are still apostolic Pentecost that dress like apostolic Pentecost. And I'm not doing this so you'll shout, I'm doing this because this is right. And because we have to have eyes that can look directly at the truth. That not filtered through what somebody else has told me, but filtered only by the Word of God. That is the truth of the matter. You still have to be baptized in Jesus' name. You still have to receive the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. 
We cannot back down because somebody has said something else. My filter is not based on someone else, but it is the Word of God. Eve's eyes got her into trouble. She looked at the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and she saw that the fruit was good for food. Each and every one of her offspring is born needing healing for their eyes. Like Laodicea, we need to buy from heaven salve for our vision. Healing comes from turning our eyes toward heaven. And as Paul said, we set our affection on things above, Colossians 3 and verse 2. You know, I've never gone wrong by doing what's right. I'm just going to be real honest. If my wife decides to walk away tomorrow, that's not going to change me. If she said, I found a new truth, you must be born again and be baptized in the name of Arnold Schwarzenegger. And if she went that way, I would laugh as she walked out the door. Now, probably, and that's a terrible thing to say because I feel like I could win her back. But on the other side of it, I'm saying... <laughs> I'm saying that regardless of who in the family, this truth is so deeply embedded in my heart that nobody is going to take any of this away from me. And we need to have eyes like that. My eyes was healed when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I saw things the way that I should see things. Oh, my God. <laughs> the message... Uh, renders Paul's uh, admonition like this. Now, this is a, a, a different translation of the Bible, but it's good. So Colossians 3, 2 in this particular instance is good. And it says, don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorb with things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around. Christ, that is, where the action is. That's good, isn't it? That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. See things from his perspective. We need to look through his eyes. And see things. That's what I made the statement earlier. I just don't see people. You see what's inside of people. You see the need in people. And you minister to that need. The righteous learn to look up. The psalmist compared the righteous to a palm tree in Psalm 82. Now the branches of a palm tree differ with other trees. Each branch shoots straight up. The righteous learn to look and to reach heavenward. Just like a palm tree, we always are reaching up. We see somewhere along the line, the apostolic church began to look down. I'm sorry. If you don't agree, you have, you have your, that's fine, your opinion, this is mine. I believe we need to win people. I believe we need to win big shot people, government people. We need to do all that. But when that causes me to lose my direction, and I have been involved in church long enough to see people lose their direction when they got involved in some of those things. I want people to come the way of truth. I don't need to go their way. They need to come my way. The righteous learn to look and to reach heavenward. The answers for all of life's problems can be found looking up. Heaven has my answer. This upward attitude is my solution. Every answer I need is there. 
Every answer I need is there. It's in heaven. I don't need anything else. God has given me the direction that I need. He's given me the opportunity. We live in a nation that's full of opportunity to go to heaven, to learn truth, to understand truth, and to grow in God like no other nation in the world. In the Greek, man is anthropos. One meaning of this word is one who looks upward. The meaning of the Greek word for man. God designed man to know where his help comes from. The ability to look upward benefits the eagle on at least two occasions. First, when the storm comes. Now, I've hunted turkeys for several years. Turkeys are the most obnoxious, hardest to hunt thing on the face of the earth because they're so stupid you can't figure them out. It makes us look really bad, doesn't it? But you can't figure a turkey out. Storm comes, turkeys go to roost again. Nighttime, they're in a roost again. Now the eagle, when the storm comes, he leaves his nest and starts flying upward. And he keeps flying upward until he faces the storm and goes through the storm to the other side because he doesn't get to get too he doesn't want to get too far from the sun. He likes the warmth when he breaks through the storm. Yeah? He likes the... You see, the, the greatest storms, the biggest storms, gives us the greatest opportunity to get warm all over again when we face it head on and get through it. The worst thing you can do is just sit there and endure the thing. Face it head on. Nah, you're not hearing me. No, nah, not, not hearing me. You should walk right towards your storm. And you should face your storm and go through your storm. If someone is talking bad against me, just go to them and say, Why? How could you not like me? I'm such a wonderful individual. I'm full of all this vim and vinegar, and and I'm good-looking, and I've got virtuous qualities that nobody could ever hope to understand. How could you not like me? And that gets him all flustered, and I just walk on past him. I walk on past him, get through the storm, and you find that when you face things like that, there's a warmth that comes because you're through it to the other side to where the sun's shining bright. You see, that's the key. When I'm hurting, when I'm in pain, when I need healing from my body, what do you do? You face a storm. You keep going through it. You're not going to let it back you down. You're not going to let it knock you backwards. You're not going to let it stop you from praying. You're not going to let it stop you from worshiping. You may not be able to run, Sister Robin, but you can at least raise your hands. You can still worship. You can still do something. That's a beautiful analogy of a life of faith. Storms come, problems rise, troubles roll, kids get sick, bills come due, money runs out. Anybody ever known any of those things? All that happens, doesn't it? Reputations suffer. Yeah, feelings get hurt. Confidences are shattered. Trials come in their wildest concoctions of, of stormy brews. They come in all kinds of stormy brews. Everything. It is then that we decide, shall we hide from the storm or shall we ride higher than the storm? Shall we go on a quest for the son of righteousness, according to Malachi 4.2? Shall we seek healing in his wings? Shall we go to the one higher than us? I told somebody, he knows who I'm talking to. He's somewhere around here. 
somebody, I, I, you know, that, so, that, that no matter how bad the situation is, we're right at the end of it. That's the way I see it. We're right at the end of it. We're at the, at the, and the, the, the this man made the, the statement, we're at the fourth quarter. We're right at the end. You're not going to have to endure this much longer. But you have to push through it till you can see the sun again. You've got to feel that thing warm your body. Warm your feathers like the eagle. You've got to feel it. You've got to know it's right there. Because God has got something so wonderful for you on the other side. You thought you've had a great time up till now. You wait till you get to the other side of the storm that you're enduring right now. The second time the eagle benefits from the upward attitude is when the enemy comes. It seems that every creature in God's world has a natural enemy. Every one of them. And even the eagle has one in certain areas, not everywhere. But the eagle has an enemy. It's the condor. It's, it's interesting. The condor is the world's heaviest bird of prey, weighing in at over 25 pounds, and its wingspan reaches 10 feet. And it's similar to its cousin, the buzzard. And condors also feed on dead things. But yet, they are still the enemies of eagles. Now, you can only imagine why the condor seems to despise eagle. You know, I, I guess anything that eats dead things despises something that's good. Isn't that right? Oh, I might preach on that one. I said that and didn't know what I said. That must have been from God. <laughs> So the next time someone despises you, figure they eat dead things. They're old buzzards. Probably got their nose something dead on the side of the road somewhere. That's where they are. Anybody in here despise me? <laughs> so, you know, you can only, you know, just kind of ponder that for a moment. Wherever an eagle flies, it must be on the lookout for the condor. The condor's battle plan is deceptively simple. To take the eagle from its heights, when a condor fights an eagle, the condor will clutch the smaller bird with its claws and simply allow gravity to take over. Together they plummet to the ground where the heavier condor has the advantage. Now the eagle's defense in its nature, is in its nature rather, it doesn't stay and fight it opts for flight. The eagle will not fly haphazardly, but it will fly directly towards the sun. The condor tries to catch the eagle, but unlike the eagle, the vulture can't look directly into the sun. The condor is blinded and loses the eagle in the light. Anytime the enemy is after you, all you have to do is head straight for Jesus because the enemy cannot stand to be in his presence. It cannot stand to be in his presence. And this one we're all very familiar with, and it's been preached on many times, but I'm going to bring it up. In Deuteronomy 32 and 11, As an eagle stirreth up her nest, and fluttereth over her young, spreadeth broad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. The process of eagle maturing is, is always and has always been very interesting. Its parents combine their skills to build a nest. The nest is generally found in the heights or in a tall tree on a tall peak. Limbs and twigs form the nest. Then as a finishing touch, the eagles will kill some foxes or rabbits to line the nest with fur. Now usually the father eagle remains with the eaglets while the mother eagle hunts. And this perhaps is to rebuild the mother eagle's strength, or it just could be that women are better hunters than men. I don't know. Maybe that 
happening. I'm just kidding. We know it's not true. On a particular day, <coughs> the mother eagle will build a second nest at the base of a nesting tree. Once finished, the mother eagle unceremoniously boots the young eagle from its nest where it falls to the base of the tree. Now, should the little eagle survive this indignity, it will soon spy the nest at the base of the tree and climb in. Now, for a while, this remains its home, and it's in the shadow of its parents. Always in the shadow of its parents. The eagles continue to feed the growing eaglet. And not much later, the mother eagle drops down to the lower nest and grabs the rabbit or the fox fur in her beak and tosses it over the cliff. She rearranges the sticks and the twigs where the nest is no longer comfortable. So she stirs her nest. If you want to get a kid out of your home, don't make things comfortable. <laughs> and you know... <laughs> You know, and the eaglet then begins to uh, find out that its uh, sleep number has changed. Things begin to jab and to poke it. It don't like where it's being in the nest any longer. It's no longer a nice place for it. So the eaglet soon finds it's better to sleep on the rock besides the nest. So it goes a little bit further. Once this occurs, the mother eagle swoops down again, shoves the nest over the cliff. The eaglet seems to, grasp, <coughs> seems to grasp the nest is temporary and the rock is permanent. So it's beginning to grow in maturity. You'll never be a preacher unless you go through this process. Finally, the tiny eagle is ready to fly. Either parent helps in this task. There are no classes, no oral instructions, no FEA, Federal Eagle Association, to help the eagle get its wings. It was born with wings, flying is a part of its nature. The eagle just needs to learn to be true to its own nature. Its own nature. A child of God needs to be true to our own nature. We are meant to fly. We are meant to fly. Some of you are still in the nest being poked. Some of you are still in the rabbit fur nest. Some of you are on the rock. And some of you are falling. Now, we've got to hope that when you fall, you don't fall too far. Hear me. I'm really I'm basing some things on a lot of men right now. A lot of men. You know, one of the parrots will take that eaglet on its back, leap from the cliff. Can you imagine what that eaglet is thinking? Its initial fear is overcome by the beauty that it begins to see. The eaglet feels something akin to home because the eaglet knows that it belongs in the air. It belongs there. Then the flight plans changes. The mature eagle turns upside down, allows the eaglet to fall. There is no artificial horizon, no GPS, no gyroscopes. The little eagle squawks in fright as it free falls. And finally, the parent eagle swoops below the eaglet, catches it on its back, only to repeat the lesson over and over and over again. So what is happening at this stage? Is the eagle learning to fly? No, it's not yet. It's learning a primary lesson that the mother eagle can fly faster than it can fall. Mama can fly faster than it can fall. Are you there? Don't we need to learn that lesson? Huh? 
Oh, I'm falling. I've got a time. Don't you think that our God and our Savior can fly a whole lot faster than you can fall? How many times has He caught you already? How many times has He bore you up on eagle's wings? How many times has He helped you through the storm? How many times has He shined in the dullest moments of your life? Don't we all need to learn it? Don't we all need to? Can we? Can, can, can God fly faster than we can fall? Yeah, before Adam fell in the garden, it was a, he was the lamb slain from the foundation. Do you understand that? Before Adam ever, ever fell, Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He had already, was already slain. He already was picking up the pieces before Adam ever fell. Before a famine came to Israel, Joseph was in Egypt stockpiling corn. We can't fall faster than he can fly. We cannot fall faster than he can fly. There's an old hymn from Michael Jonkus. It says, The snare of the fowler will never capture you, and the famine will bring you no fear. Under his wings your refuge, his faithfulness your shield. He will raise you up on eagle's wings and bear you on the breath of dawn, make you to shine like the sun and hold you in the palm of his hand. Whoever you are tonight, I want to say this to you. Sir, you can't fall as fast as he can fly. Now, whoever you are, I want you to hear that. And let me take it one step further. Ma'am, you can't fall as fast as he can fly. He's got it all figured out. The lightning bolts are his chariots. He rides on the swift clouds. He's never late. He's always on time. And he has never let one of us fall to our death. Never will let one of us. You see, the key here is the eaglet. When it figures this out, it gains confidence. Don't you see? That's where we are. That's exactly where we are. We're gaining confidence. We've always been here, and God always turns upside down. That's exactly, this is where we're living right now. And, and, and we never had the confidence to keep, up, keep it up. We, we never gained it. Now we're here, and I'm preaching to you so that you can get the confidence that you can't fall faster than he can fly. You just gave up, and you said, I'm not going to make it. You're just going to allow yourself to be dashed on the rocks below. But you see, i got a God that won't allow that to happen. He brought you back to this place so he can take you a little higher. And when he dumps you this time, you're going to spread your wings, and you're going to begin to show him, i got the confidence to fly. I can go above all of this. So what that eagle, the eaglet does is it begins to stretch its wings like Mama does. It push them wings out and imitates Mama. It stretches its wings and it feels resistance. And when the mother eagle realizes the eaglet is stretching its wings and learning the power of its nature, she flies off at a distance and allows the young bird the chance to use those wings. If she, is she concerned that the eaglet will fall? No, because she can fly faster than it can fall. But she knows that the eagle was born to fly. 
He knows the church was born to fly. He invested himself in his church. He put everything of him in the church. That's what he put it, in the church. We're the ones that carries his word, the church. We're the ones that preaches his message, the church. We're the ones that there's healing in, the church. Are you hearing me? He invested his name in the church. And I use that name and faith in that name to see people healed. I'm flying. Are you with me? We are his body. We are his bride. We are the sheep of his pasture. And he can fly a whole lot faster than we can fall. You were born to fly. You have a new nature within you. You've got to let it grow. Allow the Lord to be formed in you. Be transformed into his image. Grow in him maturity. And finally, there's one more trait. Huh? One more trait I've got, got to give you. It's not found when the eagle is young, but when the eagle is old. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, But they shall wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As an eagle ages, it can, it can gather mineral deposits on its beaks. It can actually do this. The buildup causes it to have problems with eating. It'll soon lose its desire to eat, to hunt, and to feed itself. It no longer chooses to fly high. It stays low. It loses weight and strength. Its mighty shoulders and beautiful feathers soon start to droop. Now we remember that an eagle mates for life. And at some point in the eagle's downward cycle, its mate tries a last-ditch effort. The mate will go hunting and kill some prey. It will return with its prey and drop it at the sick eagle's feet. But we remember that a mature eagle will not eat what another eagle kills. To eat another eagle's prey means that it doesn't belong in the heights, but back in the nest. As the eagle, sick eagle gazes at the meat, observers say that it seems a, seems a remembrance of a past life comes back to him. The eagle seems to recognize how he has fallen from his heights and when he was once king of the air. That is until something happened to its mouth. Mouth problems will pull us from the spiritual heights as well. The words of our mouth either strengthens or weakens us. Words can build up or words can destroy us. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you don't hear anything else tonight, please hear that. Don't excuse yourself from being a gossiper. Don't excuse yourself from finding fault and verbalizing it. Do not excuse yourself except that you do these things and begin to work on them because it makes you fall from the heights. Don't find fault with everybody around you and verbalize them to everybody else. You will do that. You will fall from the heights. The eagle backs away from the freshly killed meat and begins to make its way back to its rocky perch. No longer able to fly any great distance, the eagle slowly and painfully climbs to the top of the cliff. It calls home. It might take hours, it might take days, but it returns. Once the eagle arrives, it slowly begins to pull the filthy, useless feathers out one by one. It then beats its talons against the rock to rid itself of the dead, diseased skin. Finally, it will strike its beak against the rock until the calcium deposits are gone. There on the rock, the once proud eagle stands completely stripped of its former glory. The eagle goes to the stream, allows the fresh water to wash across its body. Then it returns to its rocky perch to bask in the sunlight. And there it stays for many days. Time passes until eventually fresh feathers cover the eagle. 
The claws are healed. The beak is free of deposits. The eagle begins to preen, anointing its feathers with oil. Finally, the renewed eagle lifts its eyes and stares into the sun and makes a sound that hasn't been heard for a long time. Its piercing shriek fills the valley. The eagle has been renewed. Its massive wings are stretched and it begins to fly. It doesn't fly to its old hunting grounds. It flies where it has flown many times towards the sun. By this time, it's with new strength. This time, it's, have, it's, it's having gone so low that it, it's almost a resurrection. It flies towards the sunlight just like a God made him do. Just like God made him do. He made him to fly that way. It's just like, folks, I don't care how bad things are, how old we get, how much we're tired. You know, sometimes it just takes a little time of renewing. But God has a way of renewing our strength. He can make us mount up with wings as an eagle. Listen to me. No matter how much we run and how weary we may seem, God can give us the strength to take us on. Don't grow weary in well-doing for due season you shall reap if you faint not. I want you to stand with me and I want you to give the Lord a good hand clap of praise and adoration with me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I want, you to, I want you to just bow your heads as the, as the music comes. I, I, have, I have purposely pointed this somewhat at the men. But in reality, it's for all of us. And let, me, let me make this statement, if you would. I don't know exactly why you are here today, tonight, if you would. I don't know if you came because you had to or you wanted to. But one thing is for certain. Every one of us that is here tonight needed to be here. Every one of us. We came tonight to fall upon the rock. That rock is Christ Jesus. We came to break away the things that bind us. We came to strip ourselves of our pride and our glory and we came for healing. And we came for strength. God is not done with you yet. God has a work to do on us. God wants to see us renewed with wings as eagles. You see, that's why you came tonight. Now this altar is open. This altar is open. And I don't want you to continue to sit back there when you know There's something here for you. You know that you need to be renewed. You know that you are not exactly where you would like to be this evening. You know that there's more for you. You know that your strength has been weak. You have been, it's been waning if you would, but you can regain strength at this altar tonight. God's not through with you. We came to sing a new song, every one of us. We came to sing a new song. We came to let the world know that we are back. And we're going to get what we need from God this evening. We're going to fly higher than ever before. We're going to renew our strength. God is not done with you. God is not done with you. He's got so much more for you this evening.
whoever you are, whatever your place is, however you feel about yourself. The story of the eagle fits each and every one of us. Some of us feel that we're useless. Some of us feel like we're still learning to fly. Some of us feel like we're in a nest that's prodding us. Some of us feel like our, our nest is on a rock. And some of us feel like we're just riding around on the eagle's back. Whoever you are, you need to know. You need to understand that God is simply not done with you. You are still growing. You are still learning. You are still going to gain understanding. You never grow too old to learn something new. You never grow too old for God not to reach down and say, I'm going to do something brand new with you you've never, you've never seen before. I want to put you in a place that you've never been before. I want to show you heights that you've never seen before. I want to work in your life in such a way that you, you never would have thought possible. Would you come? I know this altar has people. There's still room at the front pews. There's still room. Would you come? Would you come? I'm going to mount up with wings as an eagle. I'm going to learn something new. God is not done with me. Lord bless you this evening. This altar will remain open. Please come. If you need anything from God, there's someone down here that will pray with you.